Grace and Peace and a Prophet's Reward. I'm Dr. Derek Henderson of the Prophet's Cave and the Prophet's Cave Institute of Prophetic Studies with today's prophetic word. I hear the Lord say this, Jesus has become your prisoner. It's time for the liberation of Jesus. Is Jesus liberating in the midst of you? Is the time you spend together where Jesus can have his way? Is the Father free to be whomever he wants to be? Do you experience the fullness of the nature of God, the wilderness of God, the fullness of emotions, the depths of joy? Do you see the tongues of fire, the raising of the dead, and the healing of the sick as your normal interaction with God? When you meet with him, do you fall down as though dead under the weight of his glory and presence? If not, then where have you caged Jesus up? Where have you said, this is how I prefer you to turn up, Jesus? This is what I'd like you to look like, to move like, to come like. Today, God is breaking off your personal preferences and is freeing you of the religious mindsets which have caged him, which you have caged him in. Repent where you have caged Jesus and let God have his way in your midst. God bless you. This is today's prophetic word. I pray that you receive this in the name of the Lord. Grace and Peace and a Prophet's Reward. I'm Dr. Derek Henderson of the Prophet's Cave and the Prophet's Cave Institute of Prophetic Studies. Welcome to 101 with Dr. D. I want to welcome everyone to the broadcast this evening. Tonight, I want to speak about a topic that is, to say the least, important but not as important as some people think. Now, I'm going to be very candid in my in my conversation uh, this evening because there are some things that really get under my skin and there are other things that are very light. So tonight, the topic that I have named it is the preacher, the prophet, then protocol. Once again, the preacher, the prophet, then protocol. Let's start with the preacher. The preacher can be anyone within the ranks of the fivefold ministry and even outside of the fivefold ministry. Uh, the individuals, they themselves, have been tasked to preach the gospel, teach the people of God. Uh, even so much as when you're walking in the ranks of the fivefold ministry, Go outside the church, minister out there, or wherever it is that they go. But every place that you go as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are certain specific protocols. Now, these protocols are not listed in the Bible unless you get into the Old Testament where there were certain protocols and rules uh, for you 
to be able to minister someplace or to do the things of God and who could and could not do the things of God. So we have to look at it from that perspective because um, we're speaking about individuals themselves who, if they went past, and this is the Old Testament, if they went past uh, doing what God intended for them to do, uh, the reprise, the repercussions of their act of disobedience by not following the rules, by not following the law, by not following the protocol in the Old Testament was death. We all remember when uh, a rope was tied around the waist of the priests that were going into uh, the tabernacle. We all knew that there were bells that were also attached and if those bells rung, we knew there was a problem. Now, it's not so grave today because the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness and looking past those things, uh, we've gotten a little bit more, um, how can I say it, uh, relaxed in reference to how we do, why we do things, because um, in reference to the Bible today, uh, forgiveness is uh, part parcel of why we do the things we do because of the love of Christ. And we have to thank God for Jesus and the death on the on the cross, the death and the resurrection, because without him, we would still be um, confined and constrained under the law. But we are no longer in that manner. So as preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are things that we are supposed to do and not do. Now, uh, when we move up to the modern day times now, as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, one of the things that we have to be careful, especially those that are itinerant, and I'm going to speak to the itinerancy of the individuals that are preaching the gospel. When a preacher goes into another individual's ministry, they go into another person's church to minister, they, there are one thing that they must initially do after receiving the invitation to go and they arrive at the doors, if they are bringing extra guests, that must have been discussed prior to their arrival. So I'm coming, uh, uh, Pastor, to speak at your church who wanted me to come. I'm bringing with me my staff and a few of my congregational members. This is if it's a, a pastor coming to preach at another pastor's church. The prerequisite would be included that they would tell them how many people they're bringing with them. Because you don't know if they have room for other people since they invited you unless during the conversation it was stated I would like to invite you and your team then it's a it's a non sequitur and you can move forward with bringing your people and they are more than likely prepared to accommodate uh, any of the individuals that you bring otherwise you do have a responsibility to tell them who it is that you're bringing to their ministry the second thing is, is that when you go, if you are going and it is simply out of the love of going, more than likely the pastor is either going to do one or two things since you have been invited. They've already set a price as to how much they are going to give you. 
if that has not been established during the conversation. I'm going to give you two, two fifty, three, four, five hundred dollars for you ministering this evening. Then that would be established. Otherwise, sometimes the the, the visiting preacher says, um, "Is it okay?" If I take up the offering now, a lot of times ministers won't allow that to happen because it has happened at times that what they were going to pay the preacher maybe two, three hundred dollars. They're so effective in the ministry, and it is so good to the people give more. And if they take the offering, they will take a seven, eight, nine hundred dollar offering, and oftentimes that doesn't end well. So a lot of times they will not allow the collection of the offering because of just that matter, because that individual may just be that effective. These are church politics. I don't believe this has anything to do with God, but this is part of a protocol that should be adhered to so that you do not gain enemies instead of maintaining friends. Here's the other thing. The other thing is once you are in the pulpit. As a preacher, a traveling itinerant preacher, once you are in the pulpit, whomever has come with you, and I would suggest that one or two people are definitely on the roster to travel with you. The people stay with you. Now, here's something that's tough. Within the realm of this protocol, I believe, and this is my adherence to this, that. When the offering is taken up, that whomever is there after your preaching and the offering is taken up, that who is with you should go back with the persons, the person or persons that have taken up the offering, so that they can see what was taken up. Now, some pastors may disagree adamantly with that particular principle, but I believe. That though we may love God altogether the same, everybody does not have the same intentions. It has nothing to do with me mistrusting you, but with the handling of money, so that there is a voluminous amount of trust. We send someone from、uh, our ministry back with their ministry, and everyone is happy. If the pastor gets offended. Or upset that we desire to send someone back there, and does not like there, does not like that. Then you have to begin to look at why. And that's 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 what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. Now, let's move on to、uh, the prophet. See, the preacher is easy. That's an easy aspect right there. But the prophet is a little bit more、uh, untamed. True prophets of God move by the Spirit of God. Now, some churches believe that there is a specific and certain protocol that should be adhered to by the prophet when they're coming there. But if a prophet is truly on assignment when they accept going to another ministry to minister, then they should be allowed to minister. To the fullness of what God is telling them. However, the pastor themselves, the preacher that's there of that house, needs to stand. And I say this: stand guard, because every 
preacher needs to be attuned to the spirit of God so much so that they are watching over the sheep that they have now allowed a prophet to come in. Make sure that God has told you that this prophet is the one that should be there prophesying to the people that you are under shepherding. Otherwise, there could be a problem. There are many, many babes in Christ that come and they see the, they don't have a relative understanding and they see the power and the anointing and the charisma of that particular prophet. And what ends up eventually happening is they find themselves enamored with that person. And sometimes they are drawn away by the lust of curiosity, by the lust of desiring that, 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 that prophetic. And since the prophetic seems to be a very alluring, very sensual type of anointing, and many people mistaken the, 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 the prophetic anointing for something, and, and, and many people, they, they don't like it when I say it, but I say it the way I see it. From the way God tells me, they see it as something sensual and sexual. This is one of the reasons why a lot of prophets tend to get themselves in trouble through the flesh. Because that anointing is alluring. It is an attraction. It's, 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 it's like a, 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 a spiritual endorphin. And so what happens is people will find themselves going after prophets. And when they go after the prophet, they will leave where they are to go follow that individual because of that anointing. Now, all gifts have this, but the prophetic is, is, is truly pervasive because of how it is, how it is demonstrated. The demonstrative aspect of the prophetic is one that is, is, is extremely charismatic, regardless of how you do it, whether it's sitting in a chair, whether it's laying down with your eyes closed and speaking. It's the fact that you are being utilized by God to speak a word that nobody else knows from God who we're all trying to get to know. And he's saying something that we do not know. All of these factors together make it just that much but the protocol aspect of this is that prophets need to be watched and prophets have to go there with a specific mission in mind but if the pastor or the preacher that has called that prophet to come there they have to understand that if this is a true man or woman of god to allow them to move according to what god is telling them to move does that mean that you have to stand over them and make sure they're not doing something according to your mind? That, you're, that, that they're not going to hurt anyone? Well, the, the Holy Ghost will not allow them to hurt anyone. But just to be safe, you do have people watch them. Because, of course, there are some individuals that are highly gifted, but some of them are off. Or they could fall off, even in the midst. Because remember, we are spirit beings in a mortal coil. And sometimes this flesh can be overwhelmed 
And that is one of the reasons why part of the protocol, the prophetic protocol is that before a prophet and even a preacher goes to minister before the people of God, it is good for them to fast a minimum, hear me, a minimum of one day. Minimum, and that's minimum, minimum. One day. So as to filter out everything that is going on on the inside of them so that they are able to function according to the spirit of God, not according to someone's prerequisites, not according to um, what you think you know, because if you have a text, if a prophet has a text in front of them and they're flowing through the text and then God desires to utilize the prophetic in them, but they're stuck on the text, then God And I will say that God will not, but the flesh will not adhere to the spirit of God that's in them and will not allow them to move forward according to what God desires for them to do. In that particular retrospect to that, they are now in disobedience later on in the in while they're preaching or ministering. What will end up eventually happening is they will not be able to tap in. The way they are supposed to and they will not be able to uh, effectively prophesy. So they may be able to give a a word of knowledge, maybe a word of wisdom, but the prophetic word will not be able to come to pass because they did not come to God so that they could get the word to come to pass. And anybody that has been in my class at the Prophet's Cave uh, Institute of Prophetic Studies understand that we prophesy not from where we are, we prophesy from a future place. I don't have time to go into that right now, but understand it gets a lot deeper. And now we've covered the preacher, covered the prophet. Now let's step into the angst of protocol. Protocol is a set of rules and standards that have been uh, codified by a group of individuals that have said yes to this and no to that, yay and nay to these particular things. Oftentimes protocol comes as a result of mistakes that were made in the past. You see how it was done, see how it did not work, it did not function, and it has possibly hurt people. So now we put standards in place. And because we put these standards in place, all who come here must adhere to these particular protocols, these other things. Along with, along with uh, um, being um, an, uh, an affirmed apostle, a consecrated bishop, and an activated prophet myself. Each time I moved in a dimension of any of these ministerial uh, fields, there were protocols that I needed to adhere to. I remember when I was uh, being um, uh, consecrated as a bishop, I had to read the book by J. Delano Ellis about the qualifications of the bishop okay, and the protocols of the bishopric, of the episcopacy. I'm forgetting the name of the book, 
but I had to purchase the book. I had to read the book, study the book. And there were questions that were asked during the time that I had to, um, I had to qualify. It was during that time that I had to learn exactly what dresses, uh, what dress protocol I was to wear. When you were wearing civic attire, what was civic attire? Why was it worn? When was it worn? The shirts, what color the shirt was that you could wear, why you couldn't wear certain colors, the types of collars that you could wear. Whether it was a pectoral cross that was gold, if it was silver, if it was a black rope, a red rope, a blue rope, a golden black rope, all of these things were particular uh, uh, things. And, and the strange part about these protocols was that there were different protocols for different denominations. And, and everyone had their own protocols because they wanted to be different from the other. It wasn't because it was something biblical. Because a lot of these protocols were not in the Bible. A lot of them were simply parts of the denominational structure because they wanted to be different from the next denomination and stand apart themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone loves to be uh, individualistic when they're doing things so that they're not grouped in with a bunch of people and then seen as a group. Communities, that's great. But when you want to stand out above, then you want to do something different. The other part of the protocol aspect is that within the realm of protocol, there are certain adherences to instruction that needs to be uh, qualified and needs to be done. Let me give you an example. One of the main things that you needed to do as a leader in the church now, most of the churches that I went to were, were non-denominational. Now, mind you, I, I, I was, I was uh, and I think I said this in, a, in, in another podcast, but I was uh, sprinkled in the Catholic Church. I was christened in a Catholic Church. And I remember going to a little Catholic Church, just briefly. Then the next, my next remembering was Protestant. When I was in upstate New York in Dobbs Ferry, I was in the Protestant church. There were only two churches on the campus where I lived when I was a child, and it was uh, in, in Children's Village. And I was in, I was in a, a large group home, and it was a Catholic church and a Protestant church. And Catholic church was where I had came from, and I didn't like going there, and it seemed a little bit more free. So I went and uh, was in the Protestant church. In the Protestant church, I was an altar boy. I used to come and carry the... Uh, the, I don't even remember what it's called. You put out the candles and I would be the kid to light the candles and things of that nature. And, and, and so I was an altar boy. It was in, it was inside of the Protestant church. I, I believe it was either the Protestant or the Catholic church where I had a first encounter with God. But that's not what this story is about. This is about protocol. And so... I had to learn the rules and regulations and protocols even from then of what I could and could not do as a child and growing up. And then the different denominations had different protocols because then the next place I was was in the Baptist church. 
and I wasn't trying to become anything in the Baptist church except I was singing. So I sang in the in the choir and the youth male chorus and, and that's what I, I got into. I didn't know anything about prophecy um, until years later after learning about what some of the uh, women and mothers of the church had stated about me. And I remember them speaking about me and saying certain things. I didn't pay them any mind. But I had to adhere to the rules and those rules were protocols. And those protocols were, you were a young man, here, you don't chew gum in church, okay? While the sermon is going on, you sit still. That means if you had to go to the bathroom, hold it. This is, this is what I remember. These were protocols. And then there were also protocols to not running around the building. So playing in church was a no-no. During Sunday school, complete silence unless you were going to answer the question. These were protocols. These were things that everyone knew. And if you didn't know, you were going to find out. You might have got, got your, your backside tapped or your ear twisted. One of the two is going to happen to you. Protocols, rules and regulations. Because these were things that you were just supposed to know. But on the up and up side, when you got older and you began to realize these protocols, you began to realize that some of the protocols were very restrictive. Now, there are certain protocols that must be adhered to as as leaders in the church because leaders have to adhere to certain things. If they don't adhere to these certain things, what will eventually happen is there will be a problem. But what I will do is I will do a part two on protocol so that we can all come to um, a quantifiable conclusion to understand that when we're dealing with leadership, there are certain protocols that you have to adhere to and there's certain biblical scripture that will go along with that and we'll start off next week with that particular scripture but I will conclude with that scripture I won't tell you the scripture in verse but I want you to look it up do not let your good be evil spoken of we're going to get into a deeper relative aspect of ministry and protocol because it's this sort of thing that everyone needs to adhere to because I have seen much in my time in leadership, in my time inside the church in which there were protocols that were broken where things would not have happened had these simple protocols been followed. By both the preacher, the prophet, the teacher, the apostle, the bishop. And there are stories to go through each, almost each and every part of the fivefold ministry that would, that would blow your mind. And this is just some of the stories that I know and that I have experienced. I'm quite sure there's some people under the sound of my voice that would know exactly what I'm speaking about in, in even deeper depth of understanding. Even down to some of the most egregious breaches of protocol that you have ever heard. Amen? So, I got about five minutes left. 
And I want to give you my school moment. I don't have a sound effect for it. Not tonight. But I want to give you my school moment. Here's my school moment. I want everyone to be reflective of what they do wherever they are. Because you never know who is watching and you never know who is seeing what. Our witness is a very powerful and effective tool. How we react, how we move, what our swagger is like, just to say. And when people see this, they try to meet it with what we're speaking about. So if your mouth is saying, praise the Lord, I glorify God. But your actions are violent and reprehensible. Well, now you're you're not even teetering on hypocrisy. You are a hypocrite. And now that person who could have fallen in to the body of Christ, fallen in love with Jesus because they've seen the character of Jesus in you, has now decided they do not want anything to do with God's church. Simply because you were a bad ambassador, a horrible representative, representative, and now we have lost the fish. Has anyone ever gone fishing? And you caught the fish right on the hook, and the fish is wiggling right there, and you're reeling it in. You're reeling it in. You know that the fish bit, got the worm in its mouth, got the hook on it, and it's wiggling so much, and you almost got it out of the water, and somehow, some way, the fish has gotten away. And you're disappointed. It's the same thing. We don't desire to bait and not come up with the fish. Well, beloved, that was my school moment. And listen, here's what I have to say to you. If you find somebody and they're speaking to people that are around them and they're speaking about the Bible, if they're speaking about it and it's okay, then that's good. That's good. But keep your ears open because false doctrine has run rampant in our society today. And there's a lot of people that are saying a lot of things that may sound biblical, very Shakespearean-ish, but they're not biblical. If you understand that and you know that, then I believe that that if you can, you can go to them and ask them, where would where, you hear that from? And tell them, well, you know, that's that's not exactly in the Bible. You know, words like to thine own self be true. It sounds very biblical, but it's not. It's a, it's a Shakespearean quote. And, and, and it, though it sounds very, and it's from that same writing style and era of Shakespeare. So if you find false doctrine, uh, try to correct it in love and you'll be grateful. Amen. God bless you. And listen, I want to make sure that wherever you are, you learn more about the Bible. Remember what I say all the time. I want you to go study.